0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports 590 on 90 The Fan. I'm your host, Win speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors complete. I mean, sheesh, 143 to 100, uh, Went over the San Antonio Spurs, uh, who were five and two coming into this game. Surprising for them, they missed a couple of their important players. But honestly, it didn't matter who was playing for the Spurs today, man. You got to give them Tim Duncan, Tony Parker. <laughs> Mono Ginobili, like, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Honestly, the Raptors have played um, two just incredibly dominant games back-to-back here. Obviously, what they did to the Hawks was really impressive, you know, um, and that was the Hawks team at close to full strength. But in this game here, um, it felt like those stretches where the Raptors were really locked in defensively uh, were just extrapolated for the full game. Like uh, outside of the first quarter, where the Spurs grabbed like seven offensive rebounds because you know they came out playing really hard. Jakob Pertl working the glass, uh, Zach Collins working the glass. Like outside of that, and a couple of loose balls where the Raptors really just didn't snag them for some reason. Outside of that, the Raptors ran the Spurs out of the gym. Like if they kept playing another quarter, the Raptors would have won this game by 50. If they played another game, the Raptors would have won this, g- <laughs> would have won by 100. Like it was that kind of style where. Whether it was the Raptors first unit against the Spurs first unit or the Raptors second unit against the the Spurs second unit or the Raptors third unit coming in and still, you know, uh, just beating the Spurs in their own building. Like, damn, you know, like this is this was some really, really impressive stuff. And uh, I I think, you know, it's one of those games where everybody who played played really well. I'm pretty happy with everybody's performance. And yeah, let's just go through it. Let's just go through it. There's not even no need to really recap the game in the sense of the flow. Like like I said, the Raptors, um, you know, once they started playing, not even playing hard. Like this, uh, once basically loose ball stopped bouncing towards San Antonio, the Raptors just d- obliterated them. Like look at the some of the the numbers here, man. Thirty two to eighteen in the second quarter, forty to twenty one in the third quarter, and then thirty nine to thirty in the fourth quarter. Like. The Raptors just ran them out of the gym. There's so many plays defensively. The Raptors were able to uh, turn the Spurs over, who are a very young team, a lot of ball movement, just kind of prime for turnovers. And the Raptors turned them over 23 times. I'm going to look up the stats. It'll be updated as the pod continues. So I will have the specific numbers to you soon. Uh, just keep listening for that. But I'm going to just say right here before looking at it, before the NBA publishes uh, the specific breakdown of the numbers that I'm pretty sure the Raptors had more than 50 transition points or fast break points. I'm just going to say 50. When it uploads, uh, I will I will, you know, relay that number and we'll see if 50 is an accurate number. But that's what it felt like. The Raptors literally were on the break all the time, turning the Spurs over, getting on the break, and just like dunking the ball, the Ball movement was excellent. The three point shooting continues to be a strength of this team, which I can't believe I'm saying. But it, when you're watching the court, like the product on the court, they take great threes. They're all open looks, even the guys who missed some open looks. OG missed a couple open ones, Scotty missed a couple open ones. Pascal was a little uh, misfiring on those. Those were all wide open looks. The way the Raptors moved the ball today was just so beautiful 31 assists as a team. And of course, Pascal Siakam gets things started for us 22 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists in 28 minutes uh didn't even have to play the fourth quarter um also somehow miraculously grabbed his 10th rebound because uh when he had headed to the bench at the end of the third quarter he had he had 9 rebounds so he had all the other components of the triple double and then uh, as soon as the game was over they said he had 10 so hey man i'm not i'm not upset about this you know pascal played at that kind of level just dominant all over the floor it's just like i mean look i i get it the competition isn't super high uh there's no doubt about that but, like, there's just no scenario where he feels uncomfortable. You know, it, it's beautiful to see, like, in the first quarter, to end the first quarter, right? Um, Nick played a lineup of Pascal with Delano, Precious, Chris Boucher, and Ken Burch. With all due respect to the other guys, especially Boucher, who's been hitting the three pretty consistently this year, that's Pascal and no shooters. That should be, like, four guys guarding Pascal in a one-man zone at the basket for everyone else. Like, that's how little shooting is on the floor for the Raptors. And all Pascal does is pull up for a mid-range jumper over his old friend Perl. You know, like ISO against his friend Yak. Uh, just like the seeker workouts, you know, back in 2017 when, our, well, 2016 when, when, Pascal was working out for the draft, and the Raptors held a seeker workout for, for Pascal and and Jakob in uh, in Buffalo, because they couldn't get him over the visa for some, over the border because of visas. So they went to Buffalo, held a seeker workout. And then Pascal just worked Jacoproto, who the Raptors ultimately took with the ninth pick. Uh, But obviously, the Raptors thankfully took Pascal as well in the 27th pick. Like, so, you know, just just working them, you know, like Siakam, there's a play where he drove and kicked, literally drew all five defenders and kicked it out for Delano for a wide open three. By the way, Delano, shout out to him, man. He's been working on that three ball, Uh, three for three from three tonight from Delano. So good job for him. But yeah, Pascal... um, I mean, I, I'm you're running out of like it's 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 tough. Like I'm actually genuinely running out of superlatives for the guy. Like I, I don't want to just come on the show every single day to be repetitive, but he does everything well at the moment. Like defensively, his intensity is incredible. Outside of the rest, slopping with three fouls in the first half, including one where it was just such a bad call. Where um, I think Pascal. And OG were both open at the rim, a high-low pass to OG for the dunk. And I think Collins, who was uh, supposed to be covering on the play, you know, tries to come over and stumbles, and he's late. And he actually hacked OG. That should be an and-one. But instead, they called Pascal for a push, even though he was nowhere even near pushing the, him on the back. It, it, I don't know. Whatever. I don't really care. Like The Raptors won up 43. But just he did everything well. And in the third quarter, like, that's, that's where Pascal turned up to another level, right? The You know, the Raptors and Spurs were, you don't know, the game wasn't close, but you never know. Like, you 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 have a let-up here. The Spurs play really hard. They move the ball really well. Like, you have a bit of a let-up here at the start of the third quarter. It becomes a game. Then you got to really put them away and all that stuff. The Raptors just did their work early. Like I said, 40 to 21 in the third quarter. And Pascal was right in the middle of that. I mean, I'm talking about, like, mid-range, jumper, just smooth. He's able to knock that in, you know, flying in for a rebound and then pushing the break to Gary to for three. Like they've been able to connect on that repeatedly, you know, attack the middle, draw two defenders. OG's man comes over to help from the wing. And so OG drifts over a little bit further. So the closeout's longer and Pascal reads that play and finds him for the open three, you know, and one where he made the move uh, and sort of did a a step through uh, in transition. And Gorky Jan was trying to guard on the play. I don't know if he was... Um, he probably flopped a little bit, but it was just funny seeing Gorgie Jang, who's like actually pretty much, much bigger than Pascal, just go flying. Uh, Pascal put on the brakes and, and Jang just could not stop. And Jang literally flew into the stands as Pascal went in for the and one, you know, uh, a a hard, and then another play where he drove it really hard, really quickly, got into the lane, up fake, put two defenders in air. Right, both his own defender trying to catch up to him and try to potentially, I don't know, gamble for the block, and also the help defender coming over for the block. Pascal hard fake, two guys up in the air, quickly spins back to his uh, right hand for the literally wide open layup. Like he was just so good in this game. Like there's nothing he didn't do, and that's been the whole season for him. Like he's been playing at this like MVP level. Like I, I think it's. It's so easy to overstate some of those things. And, of course, those like, when you think MVP, you think about players who have done it at a higher level and all that other stuff. That's fine. But I'm just here to say, man, he's playing at a level where it's just the Raptors can count on him for anything. He did all this in three quarters. And he's leading the break. He's, I mean, once again, he leads the team in rebounds, right? The Raptors have actually been pretty good on the defensive glass on the season. Number one in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. Um, didn't have as good of a start today. But outside of the first quarter, offensive rebounding was not an issue for this team. Pascal leads on that front. He leads you with the assist. He leads you with the scoring. He's doing everything. He's doing everything for you. He's pushing the break. I mean, it's... uh, Again, I I don't know why I got to find new ways to appreciate Pascal or something because it's just... uh, He's doing everything you really want him to do. Um, I think, you know, moving down the roster here, the next guy I see on the list, Christian Coloco. So, you know, the only thing with Coloco is you do wish it was a little stronger to finish some more layups around the basket. Like, there was a play where uh, Scotty. I mean, man, it's such a great play where Scotty, I think, got off the offensive rebound. So he was under the basket, dribbled it out uh, to the mid range area, uh, f- sort of waited and faked out two guys who were sort of coming in and closing up around him because other guys were just trying to relocate off the offensive rebound. And while that happens, Scotty throws a no look pass, beautiful assist to Christian Coloco under the basket, who has a pretty good shot at the dunk, except Yakaproto comes over and fouls him. Uh, and he couldn't get it to drop. Now Coloco was able to. Actually, I don't think the foul was called. Uh, there was just contact on the play, and it wasn't whistled. Whatever the officials really weren't calling much today. They just wanted to get the game over with. And I understand this is a this is a game that it, it was like a it's like if Roy Halliday pitched a basketball game. Like this game was over in two hours, and I really appreciated that by the way. Um, but yeah, you have. You have Coloco collecting his own offensive rebound and and, and all that stuff. But, yeah, I, I just think that the presence he's bringing is good. He's screening uh, pretty well here. I thought um, in the second quarter, he had, didn't really notice him too much in the first quarter. But second quarter, the Raptors had, um, you, you know, a sputtering performance, let's say, from Precious or Chu. I didn't think he played that well with that group. And so the Raptors decided to go with uh, Coloco instead of Precious. Uh, usually it's, you know, Precious and, and Chris. But today, it was colloquial on Chris. I've, I love that look of that lineup. There was great rebounding, great uh, screening, uh, an actual dive threat. Um, you know, the defensive rebounds were solid. And most importantly, they were just shutting down everything in the paint. And that's all the Spurs were really getting. They were trying to like, you got to give the Spurs credit. They're playing more of that like Spurs type of basketball, the, the beautiful game stuff where they're moving the ball well. They're getting into the post. There's multiple options. There's off-ball movement. Guys are passing the ball quickly. Honestly, at times in this game, I was pretty impressed with the Spurs. I was like, okay, I can see how they already have five wins. Uh, But at the same time, like, you know, so much of what they were trying to do was just putting downward pressure at the basket. Um, And Coloco and and Boucher collectively really shut that off. So I thought Coloco played really well. I thought O.J. Anobi, I mean, what? I mean, 18. So in 24 minutes, O.J. Anobi had 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, five steals. He's had uh, 11 steals in the last two games. Uh, shout out to Big V for this stat that in the last 40 or 50 minutes that OJ Anobi has played, so this is split between two games, the 50 minutes split between the Atlanta game and then this game against the Spurs in the last 50 minutes that OJ Anobi has played, he's got 11 steals. 11 steals in 50 minutes. How is that even possible? Right? Like the, the, It's And it's like all of them are just like Plays where he just comes out of nowhere and just, like, rips the ball or he breaks up the pass and he's reading us really well. Like, there's even plays where I feel like OG's abating them to make the pass. This was a play in the third quarter where OG was a little bit slow, a half step slow to recover in transition. And his man, you know, uh, flared out to the corner and the pass was coming in. And OG was like, oh, so you actually thought I didn't have this covered? Just kidding. And then he just, like, literally... Kept his uh, I guess, I guess maintained his run and then just like broke up the play, got the steal, and took it the other way. Like, it's so easy for him. There's a there, and a play right after that, so that's after his fifth steal, his sixth steal, which really should have been his steal, but the loose ball ended up in the hands of the Spurs. But um, Gorky Jang had the ball in the middle of the floor, it, it wasn't even OG's man, I think it was Coloco's man because you know that's the center right there. And OG kind of dove in from behind jang reached the round got on the floor t- and dragged uh jang onto the floor for the loose ball and then jang was actually able to recover it but then uh, gary was able to come over with a second swipe and gary was able to get the steal like it, he's a menace he's he's like a shark out there like it, it, watching him play defense is is breathtaking uh P- pascal said after the game you know he, he's he's talked about og and how you know if he really locks into this role like he could be a defensive player of the year type of candidate like I mean, five steals and a block. He's leading the league in steals right now. And you know with OG, it's not like gamble steals, right? Like, you know OG shuts guys down, forces guys into misses, switches on to different assignments, rebounds, block shots. He does everything. But I mean, yeah, his defensive effort is great. The only thing I would nitpick with OG, again, I still want to see the drives continue to improve. There was a stretch in the second quarter there where the Raptors were kind of in close with the Spurs. I think the Spurs actually briefly took the lead as well. But they were in tight against the Spurs, and OG was sort of the secondary ball handler in that lineup. I think uh, Scotty was the primary ball handler, and OG had a pair of turnovers there where he was sort of the secondary ball handler where, one, he drove in, I think, for a charge. Let me look at the notes. Hold on. Um, What did OG do? Yeah, one, he fell on, on a pass, um, which... You know, on, on driving for a pass, which led to a 2-on-0 break for the Spurs, obviously for a layup. Then an offensive foul with leading with the elbow. Like, he's just got to be a little bit more solid driving the ball. That's the only thing you can really nitpick him on. Everything else, I mean, he's just, he's serving his role so beautifully. And again, like, it's, like, these are violent steals, man. <laughs> like, these aren't even steals. This should be called robberies. Like, it, should, it really is, like, damn, he, he's just coming out of nowhere to, to snatch these uh, these opportunities from the offense. Um, so OG was phenomenal. Um, Scotty Barnes, you know, another pretty pretty impressive point guard display. Um, you know, to me, okay, so he had a pair of turnovers. I think there's probably things for him where he can cut down the turnovers a little bit more. Um, I think there's a play early in the game where he did a jump pass and he got got, got uh, blown up. The same thing in the uh, the Hawks game, he had two jump passes where he, he, he uh, got picked off. So you know, you just gotta learn a little bit. Like there are certain scenarios where you can jump pass. Uh, and get the angle, but you got to be really sure that you're going to make the play. Uh, otherwise, you know, you really are in a compromising position. But I mean, like, ultimately, I thought Scotty played a really nice game. A lot of really nice cross court passes. So, one thing you notice a lot from this year from Scotty, where he's attacking on one side of the floor and he's operating, and the defense tilts towards them because they're so worried about him getting into the paint. And then he just whips a super quick cross-court pass to the opposite wing. Now, the first time we saw him do this was to OG. OG turned down the three and step and went for a little turnaround jumper. Whatever. That was a bad read. He should have taken the three. Um, but, yeah, like, he's, Scotty has just done a really good job of making that cross-court pass really, really quickly. And it's a play where you don't have to over-dribble. You don't have to, like, absorb all the defense to you. It's just about making the, the pass at the right time and being opportunistic, right? There's always going to be guys who tilt over, and uh try to cheat defensively a little bit. But at the same time, you know, you also need someone who can deliver that pass. And a guy at 6'9 with pretty strong handles, he's able to see over the defense and make the pass, deliver the pass. Cause usually he's throwing it through two or three defenders to get to the weak side of the floor. This time he's able to find Chris Boucher for a three. Uh, but it's not easy. That's not an easy play. And we, we've seen um we've seen Scotty do that repeatedly here on the season. What else, man? It's just a strength to drive into the basket. It's it's, it's great to see. It's really fun to see. Um, he – what do he do? A high-low pass to Otto Porter Jr. who returned. We'll talk about him uh, for a for turnaround and one jumper. I mean, you know, Scotty played great. Like, it's – I, th- I think it's also the energy too, because sometimes he gives he gives me a little bit of that mini Pascal vibe, because Pascal is so like dominant right now. He's doing everything for the team. Like anytime a play needs to be made, like a you know the Spurs have grabbed like two rebounds now on the same possession. They're trying to work it up again to get another shot up, and you know it, it's it's Pascal who usually comes in for the rebound. It's usually Pascal who's pushing the break. He's doing the stuff. Like the other guy who's able to make all sorts of plays is Scotty Barnes, right? Like not only in terms of the playmaking, the passing, and the scoring, but also things like scotty's in the paint and the ball kicks out to the the corner and scotty closes out and blocks the shot like that's freakish stuff man that's stuff that you just don't see for when the closeout starts when the passes hits the guy's hand the shooter's hands while scotty has a foot in the paint you sh- you're shot. you not supposed to be blocking that shot that's so hard to do uh you know so uh he's he's making that kind of plays he's kind of flying in for rebounds it just looks really impressive like even though the box score only says 15 four and five like He's doing well on that front. He's been a willing shooter as well. I like to see that. Um, Gary Chen Jr. leads the team in scoring 24 points. He's low-key second on the Raptors in scoring this season. Uh, and it's great for him because I think his role has been even further simplified in the sense that they the Raptors pass him the ball, and it's his job to score you know, in that scenario. So they only pass him the ball when he's in a position to score. They don't really let him handle the ball all that much. It's not like he can't handle the ball. It's not like he can't uh, catch the pass and then take a couple dribbles and try to make his move. But it's quick, it's efficient, and he just looks to score. And a couple of things are standing out. Number one, that little, like, fade away in the mid-range, it's just... it's, It's such a fun shot to watch because of the fact that he's not actually getting that much separation from his man. Like, so many times... Gary just pulls up just straight over top of the, of the of the defender. Like it's almost disrespectful the way he's doing it, right? He's just shooting over the top of you. Like when he's usually getting guarded by the smallest player, which by the way, now that Fred is no longer on the floor because of the injuries, um, and he missed tonight's game once again with the back injury. Now that Fred's off off the floor, the smallest defender now has to guard Gary instead of Fred. So normally when you start this game, you would have Trey Jones on Fred Van Vliet. Trey and Fred are essentially the same height, right? Then you have Langford guarding Gary. I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, Gary could probably score over uh, Romeo Langford as well. But now it's like, okay, so... Yeah, the smallest guy in the entire rotation is Gary Trent Jr., so Trey Jones has a guard him, and Gary's like, man, Trey Jones is like six foot tall. I- I'm just going to shoot right over the top of him. He doesn't even necessarily need to like over-dribble, cross over, get a screen, nothing. He's just like, I'm going to back you into the post or drive straight at you and then pull up over you. He has a great touch on that shot, but he's not creating separation. In fact, he's almost a racing separation with the way he's driving and spinning into the guys, but... I, I think there's so many other things that he's doing. Obviously, like he even missed some open catch and shoot threes, which obviously he's uh, normally money on this. Like I wouldn't have surprised me if Gary on another night with this same set of shots probably gave you 30 instead. But uh, yeah, the steals to the pokeaways to sort of run out in transition. He's gambling less, although he is still the one guy in the, in the whole team where it's like, OK, defensively, you might be able to sort of go at him a little bit. But ultimately, like, he's stealing the ball. He's getting – it's very valuable, like, live ball steals where he comes in and pokes the ball blind from a guy who is holding in the post and trying to find the next pass. And all he sees is, like, seven-foot footers, seven foot wingspans everywhere. And he's just like, oh, what do I do? I got to take an extra second to really read and get my bearings. And then all of a sudden, boom, Gary comes over and pokes the ball free for layups. He's even, like, giving up open layups. He even gave him an open layup just off a of steal just to set up OG for a transition dunk, like – He's doing everything you ask of him. And again, his role is so simplified. I, I know I've been like tracking the stat where if Gary ultimately has more shots than points, which are passes, which is super rare. Um and you know, you know, listen, there'll be times where I'm just like, look, you know, can you pass a little bit more? Like, I'm sure those scenarios will happen, but for the moment, like he's been he's just been super efficient. Like, I don't really want to see him. Passing the ball that much—that's not his role. His role is literally they give him the ball to score on a certain moment, and he just goes out there and delivers. And uh, yeah, it's—it's. It's, I mean, he—it's also been exhilarating to watch him. I um, buy myself a little time because I wanted to check up on this—the uh, this stat that I'm tracking. So, Gary Trent Jr. this season has thrown 142 passes. This is before tonight's game, and then on the. Season, the number of shots, I think he's probably taken like 120, let's say. Gary Trent Jr., basketball reference. How many p- shots has he taken? 112. Okay, you know what? It's talking against a separation. Like he's almost making like 1.25 passes for every shot. But in any case, the point is that, like, you know, you just want him to score and he's taking his opportunities. He's definitely attacking those mismatches and, uh, you know, him and Pascal have a really great chemistry as well. I mean, Pascal's great chemistry with everybody at the moment, um, but, like, especially on those transition threes where Gary fills uh, and runs ahead, and he doesn't necessarily always go to the corner, but sometimes it doesn't even need to be. It's just like, wherever the space is going to be, but Pascal's finding him quickly, uh, and Gary's just catching it and shooting it and letting it go. There's, like, probably three or four seconds that elapse on the shot clock, and the Raptors already at three points. That kind of stuff. And it's not even like he's wide open. Gary's just pulling up for three in transition because the defender doesn't think that he's actually going to shoot it. He's going to shoot it, man. If they pass the ball... Listen, the scouting report needs to say against the Raptors that if Gary Trent touches the ball, he's going to shoot the ball. And right now, he's 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 shooting at a very, very high clip. He's, he's not even on a heater. He's just taking good shots. You know, and then when you look down the bench, Chris Boucher, I thought was awesome. Second quarter, when the game was somewhat close... It was Chris Boucher who really stepped up and made a whole bunch of plays. There's a play where he flew in for a tip-in off of a precious drive. He had a transition one-on-two finish um, where he was able to score. Uh, He forced a turnover with the pressure um, after a made free throw. I'm sorry, he forced a timeout. Uh, So the the Raptors made a free throw. The Spurs were looking to inbound and very standard play. And uh, this is how much energy Boucher was putting towards this. But he pressured the inbounder and the Spurs had to call a timeout. I mean, like you see that sometimes at the end of games when obviously teams are executing a max intensity and whatever, where teams got to call timeout just to drop an inbound play. They have to call timeout in the second quarter to inbound the ball off a made free throw on the baseline because of how energetic Chris was. And then he had a what a three on the wing. This is from Pascal. He had a steal and assist to uh, for, to Gary for a layup. He had a Euro step in transition for a dunk. He took a charge, which the Spurs uh, reviewed, and, um, you know, ultimately it was ruled uh, off. Also, shout out to Samson for this stat. Um, this is the first charge the Raptors have taken all season, which I actually kind of like. So, the, okay, so this is obviously game eight. The, the Raptors took their first charge. I don't think they had another charge in the whole game. So this is their only charge in eight games. But at the same time, I kind of like this because what do I want the Raptors taking a charge for, man? I want the Raptors to go swat that ball because all they have out there is, like, guys with seven feet wingspans who are super athletic go block the shot. And so the Raptors are obviously kind of taking a different approach. No more Kyle. You know, to kind of play defense above the rim rather than under the rim. But, yeah, I mean, it's – uh, you know, Chris played awesome. He brought great energy. Comes in in the, th- the third quarter, continues his strong play. Like, you know, it's just a steal – uh, leads to a breakaway for a precious dunk, a quick three on the wing to answer a three from the Spurs. Like, yes, I mean, I mean, Boucher has just played his role beautifully. I think the one thing, too, is just his three-point shooting has been really strong. We always know that, like, okay, well, maybe that's not fully real just based on the way he shoots, the form, you know, but at the same time, like, we've seen it for a couple of years now. He's been working on his game. He's really simplified his role. He's really gotten to the point where he does all the things that the Raptors do. Well. Like, You know, the the plays are like, how do I describe this? Like, Chris Boucher is like, like, like salt, you know, like, so so obviously you're not setting up your food around the salt, right? Salt is there to, like, accentuate the flavors and bring it out, you know, and, you know, it's something that is already there, but without the salt can taste bland and and whatever, right? But you don't, you don't build your dishes around salt. It's just the same thing with Chris. Like, you're not setting up any place for him. He's just taking the opportunities around everyone else. He's coming in for a tip-in. He's he's, he's he's catching and shooting for three on the wing. He's playing really hard. He's flying around defensively. He's getting on the fast break. He gets on the offensive glass. He forces turnovers. He's disruptive. He's got deflections. Like, that's all, all the things that Chris Boucher do well are all the things the Raptors do well, you know? So this is my new analogy. I guess Fred VanVleet is rice and Chris Boucher is salt. I, I guess we're going to eventually make it our, our way into a whole meal on this whole team. But, um, yeah, so... Chris is playing amazing. And then, yeah, Precious, I thought first shift, very ineffective. So uh, the Raptors opted to go with uh, uh, Christian Coloco instead. I didn't mind that, but I also wanted to see Precious coming in and respond. Because, listen, man, the Raptors have options now. Lots of good players aren't even getting playing time regularly, right? So um, if you don't deliver... Nick has other options to go to. So, you know, when you get that next turn to play, what are you going to respond with? And Precious Achua coming in the fourth quarter, and I understand it was like a 30-point game at that point. So, sure, it it could be a little easier to sort of score. And, of course, the Spurs are playing, like, guys I've seen in summer league, like Charles Bassey. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw this guy play summer league this season. Um, You know, but, like, yeah, Precious just took it to him. Spin moves, transition, and ones, going coast to coast. I mean, it's just a lot of really great plays from him. Um, defensively still challenging plays. I, I just don't think that, like, def- he just needs to come in and make, number well, two things. Number one, he's got to make quicker decisions with the ball. There's a tendency for him to just, like, freeze with the ball in his hands. You could tell he's always trying to make a play and think about, hmm, how can I score in this scenario? But sometimes it's really just about, like, reading the game and um, keeping it moving and, and maintaining the advantages because the longer you hold the ball, the easier it is for the defense to set up. And it's not even like, you know, he's going to break down the defense that often anyway. He's supposed to be a play finisher, right? Like, you don't see Gary hold on to the ball and think like, hmm, what am I going to do here? Gary's like, no, I got the ball. That must mean my teammates think I can score right here. I'm going to just shoot it or I'm going to make one quick move and shoot it, right? So I think it's the same kind of deal for Precious. Like, he's got to be more efficient with his playmaking in terms of just how much time he takes with it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you could tell that he has other elements of his game. I mean, I know it's just you know, third quarter or fourth quarter garbage time, but, like, he's got moves, man, the spin moves and stuff like that. It it was impressive to see backing guys down. Obviously, he's got to be a little uh, more consistent with those, but, you know, he can do that. And another thing, too, is just defensively coming in, rebounding energy. You know, it's just making plays for the team. I I think he has lots of individual talent, but it's, it's still ultimately about making plays for the team, especially if you come off the bench, too, right? So you know but ultimately I thought Precious uh responded well in the second shift so I think that's a good uh, shift for him. I, it was nice to see Otto Porter on the floor for the Raptors finally. Um so Otto obviously missed the, the start of the season with the hamstring injury. He played parts of uh training camp but uh, you know wasn't able to to uh, play in the Raptors first 7 games. Then he had the personal uh absence where uh, it was announced that he uh him and his wife uh, had another child or had a f- first child. I'm not really sure how many children they have. I don't know them like that, but, um, you know, so he was away for that, obviously. And then, yeah, coming back to the lineup, Nick throws him in right away, got him some run in the second quarter there with the uh, second unit. I thought he played well, brought some shooting to that group, which was kind of needed, um, but also just like, yeah, he, he just knows what spots to sort of be in already disrupted with the defense with the two steals in 11 minutes. Knocked down a three. I mean, everyone did in the fourth quarter, essentially. Like, it was really one of those, like, open gym type of fields. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't fit in. I think one thing that people should know about Otto is that he's a really good rebounder, which would really help this group even more. Because, again, it, it's like, you know, I, I think ideally when everyone's healthy, like, I, I don't even know how many minutes you would play Otto. Probably, like, 15 max. Like guys are playing really well, but the thing is, that there are options, right? So it's like Precious is really playing poorly. You could throw Otto out there, or like if Precious is playing poorly. We could throw Christian Coloco out there, or like, okay, um, you know, OG's injured. You could, put, you, could you know, you could, you could bump up the minutes for Otto. Like, there, there's so many ways you sort of like play this for the Raptors. Uh, so it's a nice luxury, but at the same time, like, you know, dependability is also a luxury. Like, getting Otto in the game and immediately producing and looking like he's belonging with the athleticism and the quickness of the team. You know, it, it fits in. It, do, it doesn't look like when Juancho, for example, plays where it's like, okay, he's definitely slower than the rest of the team. But, you know, I, I thought Otto played well. I thought Kem gave another good shift again. Um, you know, again, it's Kem's stuff is all pretty simple. It's like a steal for a runaway layup. How many times do the Raptors have that? Right? NBA stats, please update your page so I can deliver the news of how many uh, fast break points the Raptors have scored. Okay, there we go. All right, so my prediction was 50, right? Okay, but it still says... Okay, it's still not updated. We will make sure... This podcast will continue until they update how many fast break points Raptors scored. 41, that's it? That's just 41? No, this this has to be wrong, man. How did they define fast break points? It might just be like the first, like, six seconds of the shot clock. I'm telling you, like, the Raptors scored so many points today in, like, the first eight seconds of the shot clock. It's so, so many. 41 is disappointing, honestly. I think it was... It should have been over 50, but whatever. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kem's just playing his role. I think the the last two games, the Raptors have really identified, like, okay, so we're playing teams with some bigs. Like, the Spurs play two bigs. Uh, the Hawks play two bigs a lot of the time. So it's like you want to be a little bit bigger. So the Raptors have had a center on the floor at all times. And to be honest, it hasn't really ruined spacing. I think part of that is just teams haven't zoned them the last two games, which, uh, again, like, you should. But, you know, whatever. But, like, the Raptors haven't struggled with the extra... S- Lack of spacing with the centers on the floor, and instead, they're just getting the good benefits. Like, Kem's being disruptive, Christian's being disruptive. Kem doesn't challenge about the rim the way Christian does, but I mean, still, yeah, I think no one's complaining at all about his production. He looks to be moving a lot better than he was last season, so I just on a personal level, I'm happy for him. Happy for Malachi came in the fourth quarter, you know, turned that into uh, another, um. You know, summer run, you know, like he was splashing threes, no hesitation with a mask on, looking quite quick, got blocked once, but whatever, like, you know, just played well, looked to score. And then Delano, who got some time in the first, uh, half, in addition to garbage time, he played great. Um, it was knocked down his shots. I just love the aggression. Seven shots in 13 minutes. Like I'm, I, I think I kind of I'm comfortable with that. Like there's going to be always a transition opportunity for him, and he was able to dunk it off a pass from Pascal. There's going to be uh, open threes. He's at the top of the floor, and guys are going to help off of him. He's going to knock those down three or three from three today, including a crossover into a pull up three at the end of a shot clock where he switched it from like th- 28 feet. That that's impressive. So I know he's been working on that. If you notice, a lot of his. Pull-up jumpers look the same. A little like a left-to-right cro- crossover and then the pull-up, right? And he was able to do it from three. But, yeah, I mean, Delano's playing well defensively. He was there. He got, got a block as well. And again, it's just one of those games where everyone played well. Like, I, I don't know how many times I could say that, but, uh, you know, it's it's a nice feeling. It's a stress-free game. It's a stress-free win. And, you know, on the Spurs side, um, did anyone impress me? No. <laughs> I guess this is a repeat of the, like, the Spurs, I mean, to to be fair, like, uh, I know we're all excited about it, but, like, at times the Spurs were running Josh Richardson like he was Paul George or something. They just kept passing the ball to Josh Richardson. I'm like, why do you keep passing the ball to him? What's he going to do? And I was like, you know what? Look at the rest of the roster. I get it. Like, if it's not a Trey Jones bricked floater, if it's not, like, a Yaka Proto putback, if it's not, like... I don't even know Zach Collins, elbowing somebody like it, it. They're just, there's not much out there for them. So, um, yeah, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt because of the fact that the talent out there wasn't great for the Spurs, but take nothing away for the Raptors. Like, it's just a dominant performance, taking care of business exactly what you want to see. And, uh, the hard part is just handing out only three stars because lots of guys deserve lots of credit for this game. For me, Pascal obviously didn't get the first star. I don't think there's a single game where Pascal hasn't got the first star. First eight games of the season, all 20 plus, another triple-double, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Easy work for, for Pascal. Got the triple-double, played well, took it to his his buddy, Jakub Perlto, give him some hugs. CJ Miles sitting courtside, you know, bench mob, reunited, like... Good stuff. All good vibes all around, man. I hope DeLon's doing well. I guess DeLon's got an injury, so. But DeLon was doing well with the Wizards, so. But in any case, uh, Pascal's your first star. Second star, I'm going to give that to Chris. I really like the way he played. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, a block. 7-10 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3 in 25 minutes. I think part of it is just like the, the, the portion of the game where his impact was felt because Chris was able to affect the game in the second quarter where the Raptors pulled away. And then the game was never closed after that. So I'm giving a little bit extra points. It's not like Chris was the second best player tonight. But damn, he was pretty close. He was awesome. And then third star, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. Is it going to be OG or is it going to be Gary? Gary scored a ton, was a bucket. Great calls by, by by Matt and Jack on the broadcast. You know, just every single time they would just ask each other, you know, what are what's Gary? You know, there, there's no analysis needed from, from Jack. He was just like, you know, what is Gary again? And then Matt would just be like, a bucket, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean... Gary was great, but at the same time, OG, man. Like 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, five steals, like, and a block. It's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. I probably got to give it to OG. I, I do lean more defensively, you know, oriented, but that's a tough one, man. Gary played awesome. Everybody played awesome tonight. It's just, that's what happens when you win by 43. And then your Gerald Henderson award winner. I mean, man. Um, Let's just give it to Kata Bates job. Yeah, this first off, he sounds like he has a, the name of somebody who's playing for PSG. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, he, I, I guess he made a couple of nice drives and knocked down a threes or two threes. So good for him. Um, but yeah, I think the Raptors had the best eight players in the game today. <laughs> like, like I, I know that sounds like slander. It's not slander. The Raptors had like the best eight players on the floor tonight. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a great win. And you take that momentum and you take that focus and you move it on to the next game. If they do do this to Dallas, uh, I mean, first off, all, Dallas not playing that well, but obviously they got Luka. He's very impressive. But, I mean, just, yeah. It, it, why not? Like, the Raptors are playing just phenomenal basketball at the moment. And if Luka wants to do mismatch hunting and if Fred misses another game because there's lots there's of a mismatch out there, like, I'm curious to see how that game goes. So... Uh, But yeah, let's not look too far ahead. Let's enjoy this one. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. Listen to The Raptors Show. And uh, yeah, The Raptors, keep climbing the standings.